Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and across the table from me today, longtime listener, first time caller. I don't even <laughs> want to call you that. Lucas Carpenter, welcome to the show yeah, today, buddy. Hey, thanks. Thanks for thanks for having me. You have such a good radio voice. Well, oh, it's, it's so good. It's it's decidedly earlier than we normally record the show. <laughs> uh, I normally record these at like six o'clock in the evening, and mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's eleven thirty in the morning today. So you're catching a little bit of my. Uh, my groggy oh, morning yes. voice. There it is. Don't you just love the vocal fry? I do. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> Unless it's my own. And then I'm like, ah, this is probably damaging my voice. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but for you, it's sexy. It's great. I love it. I, I really do have to remind myself not to speak too, too fry-y, but I do have a naturally kind of a fry-y voice, right, if you yeah. will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, welcome to the yeah, show, hey, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So really we start it. all of our episodes trying to uh, remind people how... I met my guests. So yes. do you mm-hmm. remember how you and I met originally? Uh, the first time that I met you was at Cabana Taps. Um, you were doing a tour Cabana stop Taps, show. Cabana Taps, RIP. Yes. <laughs> another one down. Another <laughs> Taps bites the another, dust. Another venue is dead. Another oh, one bites the dust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it was at Cabana Taps. I can't. I went to see some some friend play the, a writer's round uh, that you were hosting. And I was like, I want to. I need to meet this guy. And uh, I walked up to you and introduced myself, and uh, that was the first time we met. Okay. Yes. And uh, yeah, and then started playing, started playing, playing the shows, and you asked me to play a tour stop show, and it's kind of weird that that wasn't even a year ago. That was that was like it feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. <laughs> it's like this this year has been personally and i can tell from like the crew that we surround ourselves with it's like it has drastically changed yes. so much and it's wild it's wild to just it's and it's so in, in such a positive way it's been uh really really life-changing yeah so there's there is a lot of change happening in nashville now some of it for the better some of mm-hmm. it for the less than better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i do i do love just getting to think about how it really wasn't that long ago that you and I met and how, how quickly friendships can come along. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it really like goes to show that, I mean, it's at least from my end kind of coming out of COVID post COVID, I was like, I'm going to make myself uncomfortable and just be around scenes of people that, you know, that I want to be a part of and around and like make more friends and, I didn't. I had no idea that I would build the community and that, or be a part of the community that that uh, that I've become a part of. You know, right. it was just a matter of like, I just want to play play shows, be around people, and just like make it happen. And all of a sudden, I realized I was like looking around, like, oh, all these people are so nice and you know really driven and have aspirations and goals, but are also so talented. And so like the mixture of all that, but like number one thing was like kindness. It was like everybody was really kind in uh kind of this I, I call it the greater Belcourt ecosystem <laughs> <laughs> which which would which would consist of uh you know the folks that like kind of started at Belcourt Taps and Nashville Tour Stop and Pin Drop Songwriter Series and Tuna Bop and Miss Piggy's Piggy's Picks. Nashville uh, uh what is it uh what do we call it the uh a Piggy's Pin Drop Bop Stop. Pin <laughs> Yeah Piggy's pin, pin, drop, pin drop bop stop. Right, yeah, yeah, that's all of them. Um, so it's like those, f- which if you don't know, those are like four kind of writers rounds that all kind of started at Belcourt Taps, the venue that another RIP. RIP Belcourt yeah. Taps. We and, say that every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we all, yeah, and it, and it all kind of stemmed from there. But then from there, it's all 
you know, it's kind of expanded out from there. And so there's kind of these individual things going on, but there's all sorts, there's like one big kind of community that we're a part of. And it's kind of weird that, again, it's like a little over a year ago, I didn't even know you people existed. You know, it's like, and the fact that you guys are some of my closest friends and this community is just like truly changed my life and how supportive everybody is and inspiring everybody is. And, and, uh, yeah, it's like the, yeah, my, yeah, the term I call it is the greater Belcourt ecosystem. Um, well, yeah. let's talk about how you, you've been in Nashville for quite mm-hmm. a while, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you have also done stints in other cities, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. So before before Nashville this time, where were mm-hmm. you before other where whether it was touring or living elsewhere? Yes. Yeah, so I have been well. The the rough. I'll just I'll go through all of them quick. Uh, uh, so I'm from Central Pennsylvania, kind of rural, um, rural Pennsylvania, North Central uh, Williamsport area. Um, and then uh, when I graduated high school, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. I was in Pittsburgh for a year. Uh, and then quit Pittsburgh and quit. <laughs> I love Pittsburgh, but I quit <laughs> University of Pittsburgh, uh, went to Berkeley in Boston and went to music school up there. And so I was in Boston for four years and then I was in Philly for some years, kind of touring out of mm-hmm. there, figuring out how to, cause I wanted to be in a centralized city, um, that was like not super expensive, but I could also access other places. And all my college friends were of course moving to music people being, you know, going to New York, LA, Nashville. And I was like, I just want to like start touring and figuring out how to do that. So I lived in Philly for a while and then I moved to New York city and I was in New York city for like a little over a year or so. I was always in and out of New York mm-hmm. a lot because all my friends were there and and I played a lot there. So it was kind of like a second home already. But then I moved there and it was kind of just like w- pretty quickly. I was like, I love New York, but this is not conducive for like what I'm trying to do, which is I'm trying to build a fan base and try to, um, you know, get out and tour and, and kind of be a working class singer songwriter on the road and living in one of the most expensive cities in the country (laughs) is not super conducive for that. And again, this was a while ago. So this was, I mean, uh, and then I, I moved here and I moved here in what in January it'll be, uh, 11 years ago. So I've been here a while. Um, but, uh, but yeah, had, had stints in all those other places and, you know, kind of was able to, you know, kind of be, it was like, there was always these scenes, you know, and, and like in, in different parts and different time periods and stuff like that. But, but, uh, I never felt, I always had, I had friends, you know, scattered about, but right. I, I never, I didn't feel like un, uh, other than when I was in college, really, I didn't feel like I had, I was, I was in a scene. Like I was a part of a scene. I felt like I was always on the outskirts of it mm-hmm. and never really was like in it or, or, or part of it. And, this year, I mean, it's like, you know, looking around Belcourt back in the back last fall and seeing the talent and seeing just because, again, obviously I've lived here in Nashville for a while. And and like, you know, even in Nashville, I couldn't find that. You know what I mean? It was like I I found I found friends, don't get me wrong, and and, and really wonderful people. But as far as like any like scene, it was like I always knew that a quote unquote scene was very important to like you know, kind of build your, you, you, you can't, you can't be an island under yourself. You right. know what I mean? Like you need friends, you need community and you need like-minded people that are going to like, you know, push that. Um, but it was hard to find that where it felt, it felt right. You know, it just, for some reason, maybe some of it was personal. Like I just wasn't ready for that. Um, some of it was just, it wasn't the right scene. And then like, you know, over the fall, I'm like looking around Belcourt and at all these talented people 
that have and 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 you know it's like and also people who are building these they wanted to build something you know and including yourself it's like you wanted to build something and i'm looking around and everybody's singing each other's songs and everybody you know knows each other and loves each other and it's this little tiny spot but it's packed with all these people that are so talented and so driven and so kind and i realized like I think that thing that I've always been looking for that I kind of didn't think I'd ever find. I think, I think I'm in it. I think I'm in it. I'm thinking I'm surrounded by it. And you didn't, you, you, you weren't necessarily searching for it actively. You just one day found yourself like, Oh, I'm inside the bubble. Yes. Yeah. And it's, what's kind of like the, you know, the idea of like love finds you when you're not looking for it. You know, I mean, I kind of reached a point after, you know, the journey that I've been on, you know, has had a lot of ups and downs. And so, I reached a point where I'm like, I'm of course I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep on doing doing my music, and I'll have my friends kind of scattered around the music industry and around different cities and places. But I may never have that scene. Like I may never have something like that, and that's okay. Right. It's fine. Like I'll figure I'll figure it out without it. And it's just kind of funny that like when you finally realize like, or you finally tell yourself, I don't, I don't it's okay. It's okay if I don't have, it's like you accept it. And then all of a sudden in the process though, you still kind of keep going, keep striving, keep trying to be like, well, you know what? Like maybe I could grow in this area or that area and, and make myself uncomfortable. And then the next thing you know, you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is what I always wanted. This is like, and it's, and it's like, it is not, it's like, I get emotional all the time talking about it. And I've cried many times on stage and in this last year, cause it's just like, you know, the, it's not lost on me. You know, it's not lost on me, the, the community that, that we have kind of found. Right. Um, and, and it's beautiful too, cause it's not just closed off. You know what I mean? It's like, it's very open and accepting. Yes. Yes. Early on, that was exactly why I started tour stop yeah. was because I'd go to these shows and I'd introduce myself. I was fresh off the boat. I had nothing to offer. And I would go to the people in charge, the bartenders, the promoters, whoever, and I'd say, hey, I'm Aaron. I would, I love what's going on here. I'd love to get involved. And they'd pat me on the shoulder and say, cool, now fuck off. Mm-hmm, right. And yeah. I I never understood that. It's mm-hmm. like, why don't these people just want more people to be involved? Right. And that was really early on why I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start my own club. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do this thing that the way that I would want to do it. And that's... What, I, what I've been saying a lot lately is tour stop is not red tapey. Mm-hmm. I, I've made it a point to involve as many people of any walk of life, any any level of talent at any point in the career, because like Belcourt was that for everybody. Mm-hmm. And just because that place is gone now, it doesn't mean that that atmosphere has to be gone. No. And 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 honestly, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, I dare, dare, I, dare I say this in, I've said this, but uh, I don't, I've never said this recorded that in some weird way of a, I'm so grateful that I caught, cause I, I had, again, I had played Belcourt before, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Like it, right. it was, this was a different thing. This was a different feeling. And, and again, maybe some of it was just like, I think it was a mixture of things. I think it was a mixture of like everybody coming out of COVID and right. COVID being this great equalizer that like people realized you know what? I don't really want to do music, you know, right. or I don't want to do it professionally. And then other people realize like, nah, I got to do this. I have to do this. And people realize I have to have community. Mm-hmm. I have to have friends. 
a lot of people moved here over the pandemic. A lot of people moved out over the pandemic, you know, so it's like you realize how alone <clears throat> you are when you can't leave your house. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit, I have nobody to talk to. Right. So that that's why it's important to have that community behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you have uh, it's like, you know, everybody kind of finding <clears throat> finding that, you know, it's. I think that oh, this is this is the thing that I that I have not actually maybe said recorded, but uh, in some weird way, I think that like a I'm so grateful that I caught the last like couple months of that like Belcourt being the small little community, but I think that Belcourt closing for this greater community was probably the best thing to happen to it mm -hmm. because ultimately it's so filled with with so much talent and it is it I I I could feel it like you could feel it. Where you're like, this is this is the type of thing, just like just like like a whiskey jam, where it's like you know whiskey jam. The whiskey jam started small, and now it's like you know they did their tenth anniversary show and sold out the Ryman before they right. even announced who was playing, and it's like that is a scene. That's one part of you know many scenes that have happened around the country over decades and decades. But you see that and you're like, that's now an institution. It's now like become the mainstream. I mean, Whiskey Jam is a good example of just not quitting. Right, exactly. Because right. Because I've been here for almost six years. You've been here for, you said, 11 years. Mm -hmm. And there's, a, I know in my time, I've seen a ton of people leave. I've yeah. seen a ton of shows come and oh, go. Oh my gosh, yeah. And yep. people sometimes will shit on these other shows like, oh, it's too big, like yada, yada, yada. And like, no, the reason it's successful <laughs> is because stop. it didn't quit. Yeah, they didn't stop. It and, didn't stop. Right. And and it's like when you look at when when you look at the fact that in in country at least and other genres too, but it's like, but in country, I mean almost everybody who has broken in the last like five years, all of played. them have played Whiskey Jam. They have. And so it's like Whiskey Jam became just like, you know, uh two decades ago, it was like the music mafia where it was like Gretchen Wilson and big and rich. And like, they started the music mafia. Right. And that was basically like whiskey jam at that time where it was yep. like a bunch of weirdos that were like, nobody's <laughs> it's like, nobody's listening to us. Nobody cares. We're just going to start our own shows. And so they created this thing and it built up and built up every single week, every single week. And like Nashville especially has like, has a, has a history of that where it's like those weekly residency shows where everybody plays and you build it up. And then eventually Gretchen Wilson gets signed and she's like, I made my record with Big and Rich. I made my record with these people. This is the community that I'm a part of. And then all of a sudden, all of them got signed. Yep. And then everybody came up. And it's like, and Whiskey Jam is the thing that this this last decade, it's been Whiskey Jam, right? And in, there will always be the next one. Right. And it's like when I, you know, see and 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 always kind of knowing that in the back of my head and kind of being like, oh man, that'd be nice to be a part of one of those. <laughs> but like you just <laughs> never find it. And then next thing you know, it's like I'm in Belcourt and I'm looking around and I'm like, this is the thing. This is the next one. This is the thing that in that in 10 years or 15 years, people are gonna look back and be like, that must have been special. Yep. That must have been cool to be there where it's like you can witness like all these people because of course not all of us are going to be freaking superstars but you can see the fact that it's like there's gonna be big big artists in our in our our camp of people but it's also going to be there's going to be producers right. there's going to be hit songwriters there's going to be managers there's right. going to be there's going to be promoters there's going to be people who are you know because that's always what happened because we think of the stars right. right but and speaking of superstars we were talking about it before oh, yeah. we started recording belcourt is uh 
is gone now, but I think it opened in 2010, mm-hmm. something around then. And back then, Marin Morris was playing mm-hmm. Bellcourt Taps, and she just did a humongous show at Bridgestone Arena, and she talked about that. So she might be technically the first person of the Bellcourt ecosystem <laughs> to blow up because, of course, she played Whiskey Jam and all mm-hmm. the others, but she might be the first person from the Bellcourt ecosystem to explode. Right. Because I know Brothers Osborne also played there. Oh, yeah. And Luke Combs also played mm-hmm. there. Right. And I know that these things are happening. Yeah. So if they are our first people who are exploding, mm-hmm. that means that people in, shall we say, our class of that ecosystem right, right. aren't that far off. Right. It's the, yeah, you feel like it's the next, it's, it, it's the next graduating class of Nashville. Exactly. You know, and, 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 and I think what's, what's, what's even, cause I've, I've obviously thought a lot about this <laughs> and, 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 and some of it is because like, because of my past and because of being around a lot of different cities and scenes and, and watching scenes come and go watching people's careers go up and then down and like all over the place, you know, it's like, it's a wild ride to watch all of it. Um, yeah, the, uh, I think one of the things that's, that's so special about the community is how diverse the community is too, is, and that's, I, that's, I think something that's different from a lot of scenes and maybe one of the reasons why, like I wasn't as attracted to certain scenes because scenes always seemed like they were based on what does everyone sound like mm-hmm. and what does everybody look like, right. right? It's like back in the MySpace, like, you know, emo pop punk era, it's like, you know, I didn't fit in because I wasn't doing that style of you weren't music. Doing the, you weren't doing that style of music. You didn't have the bangs. You didn't have the black fingernails. Well, I did have some of the bangs. I had, like, <laughs> let's, let's not get okay. wild. I mean, like, then, you know, my, my, my pants were real tight, um, but it's like, but you know I know Lucas Carpenter. Right, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But it's like it, it, uh, there's parts of it that I resonated with, but it's like, I didn't sound like that. And so it wasn't as easy to kind of be a part of the, of the scene. And I think that like, what's cool about this songwriting scene is the fact that what we all have in common is just songs, right? It's just great songs. And it's like, of course there's more country oriented people. There's more pop oriented people, more songwriter oriented people, but there, but they all what they all have in common is they just love great songs. So it's like the fact that like there is we like you know there's literally great rappers here in town. You know what I mean? It's like some of my biggest shows have been hip hop yeah, shows. Yeah, I've got I mean, the like, huge. Yeah, I was going to say like Western huge poster framed yeah, in our exactly office. like Clover James. It's like these guys are like they're so good, and it's like Nashville has such a great hip hop community and R and B community and pop community, and it's what's so cool is that it's like this quote unquote greater Belcourt ecosystem is like, it's, it's all of it. It's it was all not genre it. exclusive. No. And it's like the fact that you can have a writer's round where somebody is just like, you know, like Hugh G is like doing a track and then rapping, but then he's also like co-writing tunes with all these people. Right. And it's like, and he can play where it's like, you know, Kieran, Kieran McMullen can like, you know, just play acoustic guitar and, they can do one of their tunes and it's like, he's rapping and they're singing and it's like, it's so dope. And it's like, I feel like it's the, it's the, it's that scene in movies where you watch like, or you watch the show Nashville and you're like, that doesn't really happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but we're literally yeah. living it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is real. <laughs> it's like hilarious that it's like, that it's like at the Belcourt days, the idea that like, you know, Stevie, 
you know, Stevie Ray Stevens is like behind the bar and she's like serving drinks, right? You know, bombshell. And also harmonizing right. with yeah, the people yeah. it's on like, stage. It's like, you know, bombshell Stevie is like, you know, serving drinks and then like, you know, being all sassy. And then she gets up on stage and just like sings the shit out of some song. And it's like, that's your bartender. And the fact that it's like, you, you know that there's like tourists around that are like just looking around like, see, I told you this was Music City. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like, that doesn't, you watch movies and you're like, that doesn't really happen here. But it's like, it kind of does. Like, it's pretty it, wild. It does exist in little pockets. Yeah. It does exist in little pockets. And it's, that's why it's so important for, especially so people who are listening right now, I know half of you are are in, in Nashville, you get it. About half of you don't live here. And if you're listening and you're looking for that community, just know it does exist. Mm -hmm. And just because this community was Lucas and I's doesn't mean that it has to be yours. And yeah. it does mean that that community can exist for you, whether yeah. or not you're trying to get into whatever. There is a bubble for just about everybody. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it, and it also obviously like splinters off where you totally know, within within a, a community, within a city, you're going to have all sorts of little like sub subgroups and things like that. And, you know, you kind of find, you kind of find the friends and the people that like work best for you. And, and, uh, but, it, but it is out there, you know, sometimes it just takes some, some looking and it definitely takes being uncomfortable. You know, I mean, I think it's pretty common that like you hear the same story where people are like, yeah, I just, I just, I moved here. I had no friends and I knew that was that my I, story. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I wanted to have community. And so I would just go into Belcourt or I would go to this show or that show. And I would just sit in the back and like not talk to anybody. And eventually, you know, somebody would say something to me or I would kind of strike, a, strike up a conversation and people would be like, oh, do you play? You should play. You should play, you know? And Again, whether that's music related or whether it's just friends and finding friends, you know, sometimes you just have to like put yourself in those situations where you're like, yeah, you feel awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to feel like, oh, you know, it's so funny because it's like I would go and everybody has said the same thing to me because I've had this conversation like over and over where you'd go into again, back then it was Belcourt and now it's like, you know, tour stop at Sunny's or Cambry Hotel or, you know, pin drop at Cabana, RIP, uh, RIP <laughs> Cabana. Now at the clubhouse at Sunny's, uh, pin drop is now at the clubhouse at Sunny's for, for now. Um, but, uh, but it's like you go and just like when I would go into Belcourt, it's like you see all these people who are like the cast of characters, right? Yes. And everybody knows each other and everybody's friends and everybody's singing each other's songs. Norm! Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and it's like, and but it's this thing where you feel like oh like they're all best friends and they're all the cool kids they're all the cool kids and I'm not a cool kid and so like this it, this isn't my thing but then you realize like after you keep going that you're like the only reason they're the cool kids is because they literally just keep showing up they just they're literally they're just there. present they're the present right if you want to be the cool kid just be just present. be there <laughs> right yeah exactly you never know you never know what'll what'll happen you know. Hold on, I gotta make a note of that. That's a great thing. If you want to be the cool kid, just be present. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Well, here. Well, on that note, mm -hmm. Lucas, let's take mm -hmm. a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast featuring Lucas Carpenter this week. We've had... 
<laughs> We've been talking a lot today about community, and it's something that I believe is incredibly important and a lot of cities lack. And it's part of a huge reason why I chose Nashville over other arts cities, Chicago, New York, LA, because the first time I came here, a stranger talked to me and was like, Hey, you ain't from around here, is you? I'm like, no. He goes, you want to have a beer? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and it's kindness. Right. Yeah. It's kindness. And it's, it, it, I hate admitting it. It might be a little bit of that Southern hospitality. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. For and sure. whether or not people come here with that, I think everyone eventually learns a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being inviting and kind to others really is oftentimes more important than having good songs. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I think sometimes people, they, they, the ones that don't have that don't stay. No, you know? they don't. And, and they don't, they, they kind of, they kind of weed themselves out. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's funny. Cause like, I remember, so the reason that I started coming to Nashville, even visiting was, uh, when I went to music school that we would always do these spring break trips here every year. And so we'd come down and like, cause of course, like, you know, it's like Berkeley's got all these like connections and stuff. And so they would get just crazy people. Like, I mean, just like gigantic stars and people that, and, and, and people in the industry, you know what I mean? And we would like have clinics and workshops with them and stuff. And, you know, it's, uh, it's awful hard to not, it's like, you can't not fall in love with Nashville when literally the second day you're here, you hug Alison Krauss. <laughs> it's like I hugged Alison Krauss the second day I was ever in Nashville. But that was, again, that was, that was way before I moved here. But it's like, we would always have these workshops and it didn't matter if it was like big, big stars or record executives, or if it was just like working class, you know, musicians trying to make it all that stuff. Everybody would say um, the same thing, which was like, there is such a community here and it's so much easier to find your community. Um but what was interesting for me, it was maybe it was some of it may have been, you know, this is this is a word to like maybe people who who maybe are in Nashville or somewhere else and feel like you can't find it yet. It's like when I was here, like when I moved here, you know, I was a little older and a lot of my friends had, had who had been here, they had been here for five, seven years. The like the friends that I knew from school. And so a lot of those people had their community, like they had their friends and they were kind and some of them were a little more established and kind of doing some bigger things. And they weren't as, they weren't, um, as like, I shouldn't say they weren't welcoming. They were, but they weren't like, come on into our group. You know what I mean? It was kind of like starting over, but it was this weird thing where, you know, I was a little older and kind of didn't know where to go and like what, where, where to fit. And, you know, it's, it took a while uh, I do have to give a shout out to Frothy Monkey. I worked at Frothy Monkey for a long, long time. And Frothy Monkey was like, kind of was my community, you know, and, and, uh, and still I is. I at Frothy for 10 days. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, they're, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I love them so much and, and they really helped me, you know, they've, they've helped me a lot and they're still, they're still my good friends and I love them to death. You know, it's like, but I, but I wasn't finding kind of like that musical community as much in the same way of like, you know, musical professionals right. kind of trying to do their thing, you know, and, and, uh, and it took, and it took a little while. So sometimes it, it, it doesn't, it's not as easy to find as you think. It's hard to separate sometimes the work friends from the actual friends. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to be fair, a lot of my work friends like are, are my real friends, you know, but, but it's just like, but a lot of them have different career paths, you know, they're doing different right. things. And, you know, especially after you, after you keep going for a long time, you know, it's like when you're, when you're 21, 
and you're a musician, all your friends want to be musicians and they're they're like, yeah, we're going to do this. But by the time you're 25, 30, 35, it's like a lot of those people have quit. They filter out. Right. And, and, and it gets, it can get really freaking lonely. It can get really lonely being like, am I, am I insane? Like, am I crazy? <laughs> am I the only person that like, like, am I, am I delusional? You know, for wanting to do this and and wanting to still do this when my friends are, you know, selling real estate or they're completely changed careers or went to school for something else, you know, but you hate to use the term give up, but it's kind it's kind of a derogatory sounding mm-hmm. thing. And I don't think it should be. No, me either. Because I, I moved here to be on stage mm-hmm. and perform and write songs. And I don't feel like I gave up, but I decided that that wasn't best for me. Right. And I found the thing that was. Yeah. And it's this Greater yeah. atmosphere, atmosphere, what? <laughs> greater, greater ecosystem of tour stop. Right. And even though I still get to play sometimes, it's not, it's not my end all be all. Right. And it's okay to decide that. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you're 21 and the only option is playing music, let that be the only option. Mm-hmm. And then if it comes to a point in your life where you decide this sucks, don't fight that. Right. And, don't and, and, fight and, that. and just because you, just because you aren't, pursuing it professionally doesn't mean that you're not a musician that you're not an artist and i think a lot of people struggle with that feeling of like i'm not a musician i mean even people that do would like to do it professionally and kind of have to like take take a hiatus for a little while i mean a huge part of why for you know the decade plus that i've been here that like you know now it's like people see me all the time i'm out and about all the time i'm Mm -hmm. playing all the time and people are like, how have you lived here for a decade and I've never seen you before or heard of you before? It wasn't that I wasn't playing, but it's like other things were happening in life. You know, it's like, you know, you have relationships happening. You have transitions of just like figuring out your place in a new city. Um, I bought a house. I remodeled a house. Like I, I, I you know, spent, life catches up yes. really fast. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like I, I kind of had to put on the back burner music a little bit i was again still playing but it's like it was it couldn't be my main focus for a little while because i had to you know literally remodel a house like flip a house and you know make figure out ways to make money and and figure out ways to fund things on a bigger level you know because i didn't want to keep scrapping in the same way i wanted to be able to afford to make records with the people that i want to make records with and that took remodeling a house and turning it into an Airbnb and like doing it's a long time. Yeah. And like, you know, kind of building another like kind of side side job slash side career kind of thing to, to fund it all. And, and, and trust me, man, I know that feeling of being like doing drywall and being like, am I just a contractor now? Like, am I just, you know, am I just a barista? It's like, I could be a barista and flip a house in any city in America. Yep. And it's like, and I'm doing it in music city. And like, that was like heartbreaking in a lot of ways to be like, you have to see people skyrocket to superstardom while you're hanging drywall. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, and is this, is this just what I am now? And, but that doesn't mean that you're not still a musician, right? That you're you're not still more than one thing. Exactly. Yes, you absolutely can be. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you need to take some breaks. Sometimes you need to focus on other things. Sometimes you need to just not do it professionally at all. And like, if you don't, that's okay. Like, that's totally fine. And, but man, if you like have that freaking itch or if you have in your mind, if I don't do this, if I don't try this, I'm going to regret this the rest of my life. Or I'm going to wonder, I'm just going to wonder and wonder and wonder. Like, would it Nobody wants to grow up to be old and with regret. Yeah. I would, I would so much rather have come here 
given it my best and then decided, you know what? That wasn't as great as I'd had it built up in my head. Yeah. I do want to go back to my hometown and be near my family. Right. Oh man. Yeah. That's what I always try to tell people who are thinking about quitting their day jobs. Mm -hmm. Like if you're thinking about trying to do music full time, try it Mm -hmm. because you may love it. Right. You may also hate it. Right. You may hate it. Yeah. But Starbucks will always be there waiting for you. Mm -hmm. They'll always need people. Those places where you can work in your hometown, even if even if you don't want to move back home, the places that need people will still exist here Mm -hmm. where you can still have music as a hobby. Right. Right. And in Nashville and especially Nashville, I mean, it's hilarious how it's hilarious how how almost every business I feel like was started by somebody as a musician who was like, oh, now I own this restaurant chain or now I own this like really successful business. And it's like, oh, why'd you move to Nashville? Oh, I moved to Nashville 30 years ago to be a songwriter. That's exactly <laughs> where I'm at, man. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but it's, but it's kind of, but in a weird way, it's like, it's almost, that's another thing that makes Nashville so special is the fact that like, it is truly music city that like, it, it, we I, all I think, moved here for the same reason. Yeah. And, and, and even if, you know, I think that some people would have a really hard time being around like you're you're saying it's like you're watching everybody else do all this stuff and you know you're kind of struggling or doing something else i mean some people wouldn't want that but the fact that there are people that stay here that are okay being around they're okay making the lattes for you know keith urban because like you know they're they're still a part of it they're still around the community you know and and i think that you know it is a little i can't speak for everybody but i do think that there is a lot more respect for the grind in general here mm-hmm. that like people understand that they don't they don't hold it against people as much that it's like I think oh. the most important part of Nashville is is just that grind that if you if you are giving it a go here and you tell someone you're a musician there's the, I hate the follow up question oh yeah but what do you do right right you'll get that in every other city in America yep. but in Nashville if you tell someone you're a musician they say okay cool Right. Yeah. And that kind of acceptance is why I think a lot of us gravitate here mm-hmm. is yep. because it's instantly welcoming. Yep. And 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 you also, and people here also recognize the fact that like the music the, the entertainment industry period is so vast with so many different jobs. There's so many different things where it's like you know if a massive tour go it's like you you see some stadium tour and you look at them and you think of it's like who works for them. You right. think mo- the average person thinks, oh well, it's the band, it's maybe some roadies, it's this and that, but it's the people selling merch. But it's like there's like 150 people traveling with them, like yep. let alone the people that like work at the venue itself, and all the different behind the scenes people. Like there's so many different jobs and things that you can do in the music industry, and Nashville is truly one of the only industry cities. There's music cities, you know, like Austin's a music city, but I don't think Austin is really an industry city. It doesn't have like Nashville has every single major record label publishing company, you know, all these bigger entities all have offices here. Yep. You know, this is an ent- this is a a entertainment industry hub and I think people who are just the average everyday people recognize that that it's like oh yeah, like my my neighbor it works in publishing. You know, he works in an office, but it's like he works, you know, doing music publishing for people or this person goes on the road doing uh you know vip guest check-in for uh major touring acts you know or my friend does guitar tech for whoever yep like 
those those industry adjacent jobs don't exist in mm-hmm. Missoula. No, no, it, dude, it was so funny when I got <laughs> this is this is like some super adulting crap here, but I uh, I I did a will and had power of oh, attorney. Oh God, yeah, I know, dude. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing I'm making a will because I own a house and I'm like I should probably make sure that if something happens to me, somebody gets it. Um, and just so, go to this the ward of the state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was doing I was adulting doing that and uh, sent the the attorney that was like getting it together. I sent him an email just kind of saying like what I was trying to do. Or just based, you know, just really simple will. Um, and he was like, oh, I, so I looked you up and I see that you're a musician. I just want to let you know that I don't do anything um, with uh, people's publishing catalogs. But, uh, you know, so if you need anything with that, with your will, uh, you, you, you might need to, I, I can suggest to other people that you Get go an through, entertainment attorney. right. But, but I don't specifically do that. I just want to let you know, literally like who would ask that? Like I didn't, I had, <laughs> I didn't say anything about that. What attorney would you email about a will? And he would be like in any other city and would be like, Oh, you're a musician just so you know, and, and not take it like you're a musician. How cute. He's yes, like, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, you, you play musical. You must be in like a cover band or this or that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, he's like, Oh no, if you're a musician and you're a songwriter, like you probably, you know, and you're here, you right. probably have a publishing catalog and or try, are trying to do that. And, you know, you may be making money from it. You may be making a lot of money from that. So they don't assume that like the professionals don't assume necessarily that you are just some like a hobbyist. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, you could be like super legit. <laughs> and that, that's one reason I love it is because sometimes even the most successful people yes they've they've got their money they've got everything but some of the most successful people are quite uh quiet if yeah. you will they yeah sneak, oh they yeah. sneak up on you yeah. because you never know who might have had a hit 30 years ago right who is still collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. on one song yep like uh, a guy named randy brooks are you familiar with that name i, I the name sounds familiar but randy brooks is a songwriter mm-hmm. here in nashville had one hit back in i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up on uh, on google real quick so the original version of this song by uh our friend randy brooks came out in 1979 randy brooks wrote grandma got run over by a reindeer oh my gosh and he got oh my gosh he had one One, hit one and he never had to work again yeah ever yep and he still lives here in Nashville. He still he plays at the Commodore Grill. Yeah. Like right. You'd never just assume some dude who's in his mid 70s oh is just gonna gosh. come in with bajillions of Christmas season dollars. Right. <laughs> and the gift that keeps on giving, baby. Literally. Right. It's, a Christmas, it's a Christmas hit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you'd never just assume if you're in Salt Lake City that right. that guy was the man who wrote one of the most popular Christmas right. songs of all time. Yeah. And that's why Nashville is important is because these people live here. Right, right. And the people who are working in the industry, whatever facet it is, understand that our entertainment careers are legitimate. Mm -hmm, Right. Whereas most other places, people talk down to it. Right. Like, I have a very traditional family in Missouri and uh, Arkansas, and they, they all like, work for the railroad, work mm-hmm. for a bookstore. They have very traditional jobs. And then when I come in from Nashville, I'm just like, 
gunslinging cowboy <laughs> from from Tennessee who mm. books live music and works with alcohol sponsors. Right. All these things. And they don't look at it like it's real. Right. And then when I tell them, it's like, oh, no, I bought a house and I have staff and yeah. intern programs through Belmont and Vanderbilt. Yeah. All of a sudden they start hearing these things and they're like. Wait, you have a, it's, it's real. Like it's, oh, I know. It's your, it's your job. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yes. Yeah. Every, every day I host a show, uh, at, of tour stop, I still have performers and their friends and their family asking. So like, what do you do? Right. Right. And then I right. tell them, oh, you're, uh, this is my full-time job. You're, you are, you being here is why I, I have a job. <laughs> and they're like, oh, right. Oh, that's cool. Right. Right. And no other city would be immediately accepting of that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So We've talked a lot about community and the importance of being involved uh, in in the world beyond just ourselves. Nobody wants to be an island. We are talking to a one man band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But right. Yeah. How about it? We are. Talking I have alienated to myself. The most intense <clears throat> looper setup I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so I don't want you to give away your special sauce, but mm-hmm, can you mm-hmm. can you give us a breakdown of like how how you created your rig because a lot of it was diy right yeah the thing is i i I, there's like no sauce to give away because i feel like people wouldn't have the patience to figure it out probably (laughs) and i don't blame them uh again that that whole like am i delusional am i actually crazy uh it's there's moments like that that i'll have when i'm like putting together all that stuff um yeah, I mean, so so my looping rig, uh, so if you like live looping, you're recording yourself on stage and like layering different parts. So I'm kind of like one man band type type deal. Um, and so for years, I used kind of single looping pedals like most people do. And then eventually I figured out that Ableton Live, um, the software program was, was it, at the time it was kind of more just like DJing program, producer program. People were starting to like really figure out that, oh, this can do a lot of other things. And I was like, if I could use this for live looping, it would just completely change the game. And so, but in order to do it, I realized that there was no, uh, there was no foot pedal that really existed to use with your computer that was like, that was pretty decent and programmable. comprehensive enough. Right, right. So I ended up rewiring a bunch of like hand controllers uh, and... I built one little one. There's actually a tutorial video from many, many years ago that I made and I put on YouTube of how to build a USB foot controller. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then from there, I was like, well, what if I could use this other controller that's even more conducive for using Ableton Live and kind of the looping and the little like clips of audio. And so I rewired a Novation Launchpad, which is like a grid controller. And then I turned that into a foot pedal. Um, so it's like a floor version of it. And then I have like hand version of it and all these different controllers. But what they're doing is they're all, they're all controlling the software, which is my recording. I'm recording everything into my computer. So everything goes into my computer and my keyboards and my drum sounds and all that. Some of it's like actually in Ableton, but no, none of it is like pre-recorded loops. Right. Um, cause I know a lot of people who use software based stuff, they use pre-recorded loops and then kind of build on top of it. But everything that I do, I build on stage. You build and, live. Right. So, and I use, I use like samples from um, the record as far as like, um, you know, drum sounds and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So I'll play the sounds, but they're actually like the little teeny drum sounds from. But you're actually hitting the, right. the, the key that's going to put that sound in. Right. Yeah. So you're I'm not going using like a prefab loop. Yes. Right. So I'm going like, uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, uh, like I'm actually playing it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then layering other stuff. And I've always been such a big fan of, I, I love weird instruments and 
and just sounds and always have. And so it kind of allowed me to start being my own auxiliary player because other, I would play with bands and stuff, but if I had like a penny whistle or something, I'd have to teach my friend, right. like, you know, I'd be like, oh, it's this. And I'm not like a penny whistle-ist, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like a great penny whistle player, but it's like, I can play this stuff enough to kind of, you know, to, to loop the stuff and, and create you these little parts. You also use a recorder at one point, don't so you? So that's a, that's a penny whistle. That's the penny whistle? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the one that you see, uh, fun fact, it's a, uh, it's a, that one is a low A penny whistle, which is kind of rare. Um, but it was made by a fans, a fan of mine, uh, for years, her dad made it and like made me a couple of these like PVC uh, penny whistles and they're, they're like little flute recorder That's type cool. things. Yeah. So that one looks a little more like an actual recorder because it's plastic, but it's like technically a penny whistle. They're basically the mm-hmm. same thing, except like, I feel like the penny whistle is like a little bit cooler. <laughs> it's like people are like the recorder is so lame, but it's like, it's kind of the same You're thing. You're not getting out there and playing three blind mice right. on your recorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot cross grade. buns. Yeah, yeah. Hot cross <laughs> buns. Yeah, there's uh, but they're similar. They are similar. But it, but it allowed me to kind of like, you know, throw the looping stuff allowed me to kind of throw in these other little elements of stuff. And Ableton was able to kind of take it to this other level where not only can it, it's kind of like limitless looping and you can kind of, you can bring stuff in and out whenever you want, but it's also got the DJing element where it's got all these effects because you're basically going into a recording studio. Mm-hmm. So you can use all of these effects and like beat repeaters and filter sweeps and like, you know, wacky delays and reverbs and stuff. So you can kind of like make your loops and build your loops, but then you can play it back the way that like a DJ would. So you can manipulate the sound in ways where it's just more interesting and fun. And, you know, it doesn't make it sound quite so, shall we say loopy? Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't because the customize the sound if it's been looped. Yeah. And and then go back to the original sound. Right. Right. And the thing is like looping is weird because I think that it, it loses its luster very quickly. Right. Like when you see it live, people for the within the first couple minutes they're like whoa that's really cool but once they kind of figure it out if you keep doing it the same way every mm-hmm. single time they people get really bored with it really quickly and so i especially if you're building a like you're building loops for 5 minutes to then play a 3 minute song right. you know what i mean it's like that's not interesting and so trying to figure out interesting ways to play stuff and sometimes it means being really simple like it means this song has a ton of layers on the recording, but like I'm only gonna play kick snare, a shaker, uh, a bass line, and like one little keyboard part, and that's it. But because of the way that you can kind of bring the stuff in and out, and you can texture it in different ways, that it actually sounds really big. It can sound huge with very few elements, um, and that's that's something that I think a lot of looping people like lose. They they, right. they, they don't they don't realize that that it's like. You they know, build bass, kick, snare, hi-hat every single right. time, and it's the same. Yep, yep. And if you do, you know, if you look at, uh, it's like you look at a power trio or something, or you look at, um, what you know, whether it's Green Day or whether it's like Nickel Creek, mm-hmm. you know, it's like obviously two completely different sounds, but there's very limited instrumentation, right. but it sounds so huge at when no they do. At no point in any of, the, any of either of those two bands' songs, are you thinking, gosh, this is a really thin sound? Right. Because they arrange their pieces specifically for the instrumentation that they've been right. given. Yep, yep. And it's like if you got like Green Day, it's like that like jam. Is it Longview? Is that the one that's like doom, doom, mm-hmm. doom, 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 doom? And it's just the bass, yep. right? And it's just like 
you don't think that sounds really thin, but then once the guitar kicks in, you're like, oh, oh my damn. God. You know what I mean? It just sounds so enormous. And it's only three people. You know, in Nickel Creek, it's like the same way. There's like, they're just three acoustic instruments, sometimes some bass, but it's like, you know, it's it's violin, mandolin, mandolin and guitar. guitar, and then occasionally an upright bass and three-part harmony. And it's like, it sounds enormous, but some of the reason it sounds so big is because they they strip down so many of the parts. You have to, it's like with looping, just adding a shaker part, if you bring that shaker part out and then bring it back in and like play more aggressively on guitar, just playing a little more aggressively on guitar and adding that shaker part can make it sound, can make a chorus sound enormous. enormous. You know, if you, if you do it the right way, but you kind of have to like, you know, you got to have the space. You gotta, Performance dynamic is something I, I don't see as much of as I think we should mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who will play very monotone mm-hmm. and all of their songs are one dimensional, but even in an acoustic, <laughs> even in an acoustic performance where there's just a, a person in their guitar, you really can keep it interesting. If you just vocal dynamic and instrument dynamic, yep. Oh yeah. You really yep. can keep it interesting with very little. Yeah. Palm muting goes a long way. Oh my good boy. <laughs> I remember being like 13 years old and learning about palm muting. And uh, was, this is the coolest thing <laughs> yeah. ever. Yep. Well, hey, let's take one more quick commercial break and we'll come right back and talk about what's coming out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The stuff. That's new stuff stuff coming from our guest right here on the Nashville (laughs) Tour Stop Podcast. All right, and we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast once again, featuring Mr. Lucas Carpenter here. We've had a lot to say today, and we've gotten distracted talking in the breaks. But <laughs> Lucas, there's some new stuff coming from you. Yes. Today, the day we're recording this, you've got a single coming out tomorrow. Yes. Technically tonight, I guess, at 11. It's like one of those weird things where we're in central time, but it comes out 11. Anyways, yes. Uh, yes. New tell song. Us about, tell us about the new song. Okay, so uh, this song, it's called Something Real. And uh, I produced it uh, with um, my, my friend Kevin Rooney produced it uh, with me and uh, we played all this stuff on. He's an incredible producer and and uh, we do a lot of wacky stuff when we when we work together. He produced my last EP, The Shimmer, and uh, we made kind of this. The idea was we were going to you know start recording last. We started recording last fall more stuff and uh, we recorded something real <laughs> actually last fall. Uh, but it's, you know, one of those things where life kind of happened as we've discussed, you know, and, and, uh, this whole year has kind of changed a lot. And so I kind of started focusing on, uh, playing a lot more and just kind of getting out and about and post COVID. And so I kind of held off on finishing it and releasing it, but it's finished. And we're like, I need to freaking release. Yeah. I need to, I need to actually put this out. Um, yeah. So, so it's gonna, we're, we're, get, we're, we're getting right in at the end of 2022. Um, but yeah, but it's called something real. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of uh, about the uh, the weirdness of the lo- the world we're living in with social media and also just uh, you know political stuff and just everything and how nothing seems to uh, nothing seems to be real. Nothing seems to be real uh, a lot of the time, and and and, it, and you sometimes you just want some some honesty. Um, so that's what the uh, yeah that's what it's about, and uh, 
we layered all sorts of crazy stuff. And, you know, Kevin's a genius at being able to create sounds from random noises and things that I'm like, what if we make a snare drum out of this bottle? You know what I mean? And it's like, cause he, he's an Ableton user as well. And he can, I mean, he's like a, a ninja with all that stuff. He's, he's incredible. Cool. Yeah. So, so we're, yeah, so we're doing that and we're putting that out. And, uh, uh, the official release date of that is uh, Friday, December 16th. Yes. Yep. Yep. But so well, you'll, you'll be hearing this uh, after this song is out. Yes. 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 So, uh, yeah. So, and, and hopefully it'll, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, uh, I haven't, I haven't released anything in a couple years. So this, cause the shimmer was kind of released around, it was released around this time two years ago, but it was also kind of, you know, the end of the end of 2020 into 2021, which was kind of like. I wasn't able to play the songs live. I wasn't right. able to get out there. And so I feel like if it, it almost feels like that, that was released a year ago, you know, cause it's like, I wasn't able to do anything with it, but now it's kind of like, you know, hammering away at all this. There, there's a lot we're, we're working on and other things happening. Um, that, uh, is really exciting. This, this new year is going to be pretty amazing. And, and, uh, you know, just this year has changed so, uh, so many things and there's been a lot of amazing opportunities and, uh, including this one right now. Oh, um, so can you speak and, to what is uh, going to be happening for you in 23? Yes. Uh, yes. So the plan is that this song's coming out and it'll kind of push us into the new year. Um, and right now I'm recording, um, a lot of songs, um, recording a bunch of stuff that will inevitably be a full album, um, that will, that will come out, um, recorded a couple songs already and, uh, recording three more, um, starting this week, actually. Um, and I'm working with uh, a producer named Blue, uh, B-L-E-U. You can look him up. Um, fun fact, he doesn't know this, but uh, he was my number one artist uh, on Spotify this no year. Way. <laughs> yeah, he's a, <laughs> I have been a, I've been a fan. Uh, it's very surreal. This has been a very surreal year in yeah, more ways than I can even describe for a lot of reasons. And, and, and one is, um, well, really, the last couple of years. I mean, Kevin Rooney that again produced the other stuff. Um, Kevin uh, was in uh, Rascal Flats. He was a touring member of Rascal Flats and produced for Rascal Flats. And Rascal Flats is one of my favorite bands, and uh, I just I love them so much. And and uh, it was very surreal working with Kevin and seeing like literally Rascal Flats like sticker on his guitar case. You know, like from you know the road, he probably got that. From one of yeah. the guys in the band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was literally like the it was it was like a, not like spray painted on, but it was like one of the like official. You know, it's like one of the official. Or like this is a touring guitar. You know what I mean? It was right. like one of his touring guitars, and it's like bizarre to record. And you're just like, oh, you know, Jay Demarcus would like call him on the phone mm -hmm. while we're, you know, like <laughs> while we're while we're recording. Where that'll that doesn't happen in other cities. No, no. And it's like, oh, one of my heroes is literally on the phone with my producer right now. Um, that's freaking wild. But anyway, I had, that, I had a similar experience to that when I first moved here. I went to get my guitar uh, worked on at Nashville Soundcheck mm -hmm. over uh, up north of town a little bit, and I walked into the repairman's little booth up there, and he just goes, "Hey, you hear that music?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, that's Rascal Flatts rehearsing." <laughs> He's like, "You want to go? You want to go walk through the door and watch?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, I do." <laughs> That would be okay. That would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent, but, uh, I got to give a shout out to Kevin cause he's just, he, he really, he really helped me kind of get to this next spot of just re finally releasing new music with the shimmer and something real coming out. And, uh, it means a lot to me and it was really beautiful to work with him and he's an amazing person and incredibly talented. Also really, really busy. <laughs> he's a busy man. <laughs> uh, but anyways, but going into the new year. So this producer blue, um, I've been a fan of Blue as an artist since I was in college. 
Um, he put out a record called Redhead when I was in college, and uh, it was one of my favorite albums. And uh, you know, he was one. It was one of those deals where you know he was signed. He was pushed as a, as an artist was. He was on the Spider Man Two soundtrack. Fun fact. Ooh. And uh, you know, had songs. You know, his songs doing all sorts of stuff. And then becomes kind of like more behind the scenes producer, um, writer guy. And, uh, but I've followed him ever since. I mean, I've, I've been a big fan of, of blue for, for a really long time. And so, uh, we reached out to him and he was like, yeah, I'd be totally down to produce some stuff. And I was like, you know, kind of freaking out. Meet your hero. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, uh, it was really, really bizarre. And, and, um, but he, you know, over the last you know, if I, I feel like, I feel, I, I don't mean to be like name droppy, but in the same sense, it's like, you know, I've worked really friggin' hard and there's been a lot of lows. <laughs> you earned this Again, name drop. Remember, remember back when I was, you know, doing the drywall being like, <laughs> am I a musician anymore? <laughs> just remember that. So I'm not just name dropping. I'm like, I'm very, it's a long journey and I feel really proud. I'm proud, but I'm also just like kind of blown away by like what's kind of been, been happening and uh but anyways but blue blue has he's produced for the jonas brothers and demi lovato and michelle branch and katie tunstall and just all sorts of people he's his name yeah yeah he, lucas carpenter yeah exactly and now this guy um <laughs> yeah so uh fun fact he co-wrote that's just the way we roll by the jonas brothers um and uh along wow. with piles of other of other amazing songs but he's always been a, 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 a uh, he's always been a songwriter artist himself and his own songs are just incredible. So go go listen to Blue. And uh, yeah, so we've been we I went to L.A. and we recorded a couple tunes in October, and they're unbelievable. Like they they're I am so I'm so excited for people to hear this stuff. And uh, what's the timeline on the release of these uh, these new tracks? Yeah, Sometime the plan mid, mid next year. Yeah, the plan is to start releasing singles um, probably like real early spring okay i'm not quite sure yet maybe maybe even as early as like as like march um and then start releasing them as singles by the end of the year there will be again this is the plan for now we will see if it changes at all but the plan is to have a collection of songs um that will be kind of like the first half of the album um it is the it is uh i have a song called art kids from the country and uh that song is going to be kind of the the um, this is kind of going to be the art kids from the country full length album kind of representing who I am and why I am the way that I am. And just being a weird, you know, theater, uh, choir kid from the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so it's my opus in a way. Um, so a lot of the songs are kind of themed. They're songs that are kind of themed in that, in that vein of like, you know, odd, uh, odd artsy weirdos. Um, and love songs and life stories and all that kind of stuff having to do with it. But yeah, but the, First chunk of it, Art Kids from the Country, Volume One, uh, will be out. Um, hopefully, all of it by early fall, and then the the rest of it will be released. Then this this will allow for more recording and stuff this next year, early this next year, and then it'll be a full album by uh, the following year. So uh, it'll be a full length album released gradually, and uh, it sounds unbelievable. And uh, it's kind of very surreal. It's very surreal to like you know, have these songs and some of these songs are old, you know, some, I mean, art kids I wrote a long time and still ago talking about them sometimes a year and a half, two years into the future beyond. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, to be able to, and it's like, you know, there's a, we, we recorded, um, we recorded a song called uppercase love. That, That's a great song. That, thanks. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's real, it's real weird. Cause it's like that song didn't exist a year ago. And, uh, 
and it and, and and it exists because of this community that we're a part of because it's like I wrote it for one of the prompt nights that uh, the Pin Drop Songwriter Series Stevie Ray Stevens and Kieran McMullen put on, and uh, who are good friends of ours and and uh, put on these prompt nights every couple months where everybody writes a song based on the same theme and the same idea and this one was first love around the time of um uh around the time of valentine's day last year or this this year sorry and uh i wrote it for that as like my first love prompt the song uppercase love and uh and i i love the song and i'm really proud of the song and uh yeah and it's like it's bizarre to kind of like that song didn't exist because of this community it, it, it exists because of this community and to then be recording it with like one of your heroes is like this is some crazy it's transcendent yeah yeah it really is it's you know? proof that doing the work can pay off yeah yeah absolutely you know it's like find you know if you believe in it and and you love it more it's if you just love it if you love it just keep doing it you know and find find your people you know and you just never know. You just never know what'll happen. Sometimes it doesn't look exactly like what you think it's going to look like, you know, and you might, we talk all the time. It's like, you got to find those little steps, you know, it's like sometimes that it might not open up the door right away where you're like, oh, I, it's like, had I worked, had I reached out to blue, you know, years ago, it's like, I probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, it's like, I've, I've had other things happen since then. That's kind of like maybe open that door up. You know, and or or things that kind of people maybe take you a little more seriously because you got some stuff under your belt. And sometimes you got to just like take the time, get that stuff. Don't be afraid to just like take that six o'clock writer's round on a Tuesday night or whatever it is. Be patient. Right. It's like, you know, do that and and maybe that'll open up the next door and that'll open up the next door and the next one. And, uh, you know, just be grateful and show up and and you just never know. And then next thing you know, you're literally on. Venice Beach riding bikes with a guy that's been the soundtrack to your life and he's got his little pink helmet on and he's just like <laughs> riding a bike in front of you and you're like that's freaking blue right in front of me <laughs> this dude's been like the soundtrack to my life for like years. 15 20 years and it's like and he's like recording my jams with me it's like that's cool <laughs> it's a wild man it's really yeah it's pretty cool. It's why we why we do this, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lucas, can you tell the people where they can find you on the internet? Yes. Uh, most of my social media is just at Lucas Carpenter. Um, almost all of it. You uh, lucky duck. You yeah, just I know got your first name, last name. Well, that's the benefit of being old. Um, is <laughs> is like you just get in there right away. Um, yeah. Most of it's at Lucas Carpenter. Um, I think TikTok is like Lucas Carpenter music. Um, I wasn't quick enough to that one, but hey, it might get uh shut down by the government. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I saw so that. Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find me on all that stuff. Uh, you can stream my stuff on Spotify, all the things. I'm pretty easy, pretty easy to find. And uh, yeah, let's go listen to something real and uh, stay tuned for all sorts of fun stuff. Well, we're going to have something real playing as our outro music for the yeah. episode this week. In the meantime, please follow at Nashville Tour Stop on your social media platforms. You can find us on the web at NashvilleTourStop.com. You can check out our full events calendar there. And even though I haven't talked about it yet, I'm working on some stuff for next year that I know all of you guys are going to be very happy with. Mm -hmm. uh, please do check out our Nashville Tour Stop Patreon. We've got a couple of different tiers for involvement there. If you'd like to support us to create 
create more of these podcasts with cool songwriters, just like Mr. Lucas Carpenter right here. So in the meantime, whether or not you are doing stuff for the holidays or listening to this beyond uh, when we are right now, man, that wasn't smooth. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) We're not going to edit that out. (laughs) But y'all, thank you so much for listening this year. It has been a wonderful, crazy year getting the podcast relaunched here in 2022, the year of our Lord Blake Shelton. And with that, I will leave it and say... Thank you for listening, and all roads will lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop. So you get my good side, and brush out the white lies. Gotta look my best on the screen. Presenting perfection, do it for the mentions. Acting like we're living the dream. Using filters on our faces, documenting places we don't even really enjoy. Because of some influencers pro tip, can we cut this bullshit? Because no one knows what's true anymore.